Welcome to Lacrosse Recruiting 101, where the biggest names in lacrosse share their inside views and expertise. Now, your host, Luke Cometti. In this episode of the podcast, I talk with Amherst College men's lacrosse head coach, Rashad DeVoe. This is Rashad's first year with the Mammoths, and prior to Amherst, he has coached at Hampton University, Navy Prep, Beloit College, Colby College, Southwestern University, Dallas Jesuit, and the Rochester Nighthawks. In the podcast, Rashad gives us an update about what's going on in Amherst right now as far as the team and the status of their season. As they transition back into practices as well, he talks in detail about what they focus on and what every high-level player should be focused on as they get prepared for the spring. He also talks about how he and his staff have approached recruiting so far, some specific things they look for in recruits, and even gives some extremely valuable advice to all players who attend recruiting events. If I miss something, if there is something you'd like to hear on the next podcast, then please email us at questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com or tweet at our Twitter handle at laxrecruit101. Thanks for listening. Rashad DeVoe, head men's lacrosse coach, Amherst College. Appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Oh, thank you so much for having me, man. Excited. Thank you so much. <laughs> so give us some insight. What's going on in Amherst right now? I mean, are you guys able to practice at all? Or are you at least able to stay in touch with the team? What's going on there? Yeah, so, um, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, – in a, in a holding pattern, almost like the Ivies, uh, they're going to talk a little bit and make a decision in a few weeks. But um, for the guys that are back on campus, we actually do get to have practice, which is great. Uh, the guys actually just got back to campus um, on the 15th. So okay. usually that's like our NESCAC starting date. So, you know, they have to do the acclimation and our testing. Uh, we're really rigorous with testing three times a week. So once they get through the full week, get through their classes, then we're able to get to, uh, get to some practicing. So we'll be able to practice with them. Um, we'll be able to, you know, do all the stuff that you would do in, in spring, but just waiting to see um, if they're going to say uh, yes or not. What would those practices look like? Are you able to have full team practices or are they still in like pods and what a lot of teams? Yeah, it, it, it'll, yep, it'll, it'll break into, uh, to pods and then the pods will be able to get bigger and then we'll be able to get into a full team, uh, regiment. So it even still, it's going to take a few weeks to even to get into full team. And that's on par with what all the NESCAC coaches are doing. So, um, I think for the most part, that's how it's going to work. So it's not like if we do play, there's like a big disadvantage. Everybody's kind of got the same yeah. uh, rules and regulations. When you're kind of planning out these practices and you have to start in these smaller groups and then gradually get bigger, do you mind that, especially because it's kind of an even playing field? It sounds like all the NESCAC schools are doing that because it seems like that's not a terrible way to kind of get back into it you know, after a, probably a long break and getting the guys back on campus, start with maybe some fundamentals and then work your way up to the team stuff. Yeah, I don't really mind it. Um, it, it gives, you know, my first year there, so it gives me a chance to, to talk to the guys, get to yeah. know them a little bit more on an individual basis. 
Um, it gives us a chance to go over uh, skill development, which I love. I think that's been taken out of the game a little bit. Um, so we do a lot of skill development work. We do a lot of mini drill work that goes in part of our big offense or big defense. So to me, it's like going back to the old school skill development camp. So it, it's great to get out there and, and um, be able to focus in on guys and, and really get some good work in. What's like the number one thing you work on with a small group? And, you know, the reason for that question is kind of what's something a player can do on his own that you think is the most important thing as they're preparing for the season? Uh, stick skills, stick skills, stick skills. That's the, <laughs> that's the, the, I know it sounds crazy, but. Sounds like every the, other coach. Shocker. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like, it's so important and it's, and we just drive it home and, um, you know, even passing mechanics with with how some guys pass and how it's difficult to see when they have the tails or they whip it, like just making sure that every pass is on the ear, um, you know, making sure that our transitions, our hand transitions are right, making sure that our footwork to open up and make passes are right. Like we, we drill that stuff to death. So we'll um, – that's just super important because – as you know, at the, at the higher level, if that passes by the shoulder or someone has to dip down and get it, that shot opportunity is gone yeah. or that rotation is there. So I know it may sound boring to kids, but it's so important to be able to put that ball right on their ear, right where they can shoot it or get it off quick. So we, we really harp on stick skills, our footwork with the stick skills, and our hand transitioning with it. Yeah, and I've, I've said this before. But a lot of coaches say, like, you know, a big difference between high school and college is the speed of the game. But I think a lot of people think, oh, well, yeah, I'm fast. It's like, no, no, not the speed of the game as far as, you know, how athletic you are. That's part of it. But it, a lot of it is that stick skill part that you're talking about and being able to put those passes on a dime, you know, at the right speed. Because as you're saying, if that pass is a little low, that can be a difference between a shot, you know, or maybe a good shot or a bad shot or a good shot and no shot. And yeah, so it's it, all those it, little it, things that really speed up the game. Obviously, IQ as well, but yeah, and and kind of really interesting. Uh, so Dan Morris, who was the goalie for Maryland when they won national championship, and and Dan's great. Um, Dan, I, I would talk to Dan a lot because I watched Maryland right since him being there, and I used to coach him when he was younger, and I, I watched Maryland a lot, and I watched how they flip their hips and move the ball so quick and how they could get people to rotate just off of moving the ball and opening up their hips and moving it. And he was like, Oh no, that's drilled in. And then he's like, here's the drill that we do. <laughs> so Perfect. I probably shouldn't say that coach. Coach someone's probably going to kill him right now, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm like, here's the, he's like, here's the drill that we do. And we started using that drill. And I was like, and you could see in that drill, why Maryland moves the ball so quick. And I was like, oh, I love this, right? And so just little things like that, that even us as coaches, you know, we're all getting back together and, and talking over things. That's really important when we're going over practice plans. So it, it really is the little details mean a lot. I may have to uh, get that drill from you because, uh, you know, as you're saying, if they can get that defense moving just by moving the ball, I mean, that that's where you yeah. want to be. But kind of yeah. as you're saying, too, you still need the stick skills to be able to do that. As Coach Mike Masser yep. said, once the ball drops, everything stops. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> the, the truth. So tell me about this fall. Um, you know, you've been at Amherst College for what about ten months now? Uh, maybe um, a little less than that. Yeah, I got there June. Oh, June. Okay, yeah. So a little less. Yeah. But you, an interesting time to step into the role. What, yeah. What were you able to do this summer and fall from a recruiting standpoint? And I, mean, um, I know D3 is a little different than D1 because they've been in a yeah. quiet period. But what have you been able to do? So recruiting has been really good. Like I'm really excited about our 21 class. Um, we, we got in a little later than usual, but we got a chance and, and – Right, there was really no going to tournaments. It was all through video, mostly. Yeah. Um. So, which I actually liked, kind of. Um, were you we, Were you we allowed to go to tournaments? So I was not allowed to go to tournaments. Um, we had a, I think some teams were, but um, our school Amherst did a no going to tournament just to. You know, just for safety reasons. So yep. we weren't allowed to to head out this summer. And so um, we did a lot of talking to kids and watching their full game film, which helped out a ton. Where a lot of times, you know, you see the highlight film of someone and that highlight film helps you to be like, hey, I want to see this kid again, right? We actually, as a staff, sat down, and every day watched all the film from all the different tournaments that kids gave to us. So when kids emailed us or, or sent something in, or if there were kids that we liked, you know, first thing, what are your grades? Yeah. <laughs> what are your scores? <laughs> Get this and out of the way. <laughs> second, yeah. And then secondly, we, you know, the highlight film, and then we're like, okay, we want to see more of you. Let's see your full game of whatever tournament you're at or, you know, if you got some games in, most kids didn't even get a chance to get games in. And so we as a staff just took, we blocked out from um, 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock every day and watched game film. So um, that kind of gave us our ability to, to to gauge and see who we liked. And, and, and it was great because usually when you're recruiting, you don't go as a staff, right? You go as yourself. Yeah. And, you know, your assistant might be somewhere else. And so we got actually a chance to talk and, and conversate and be like, hey, we like this person. Or, hey, you see how he did this? Or, you know, versus just one eye. We had three eyes on every game. So it, it was really different this year. But it was really, um, really fun um, and really helpful. And along with that, we kind of slowed our process down of like, like, hey, let's let's not rush to grab people. Let's, you know, let's get the right fit for what we're doing or let, let's try and, um, you know, see, see what we want to build on. So definitely it was, it was a different summer, but it was a really good summer, I think. And I love the kids that we got. <laughs> nice. When you guys are watching film as a staff, right, you're watching one of these games of a potential recruit, you know, it sounds like you've probably did it a lot. And yep. what are some things, you know, maybe one offensively, one defensively, some points that you guys, some tangible things you guys look for that can be just some good advice to any player listening that, you know, especially you at Amherst, which, but I'm sure at a lot of programs are looking for specific things that catch your eye 
you know, to potentially want yeah. to recruit them. So here's the funny thing, man. When I, when I like having coached Colby, I knew there's a lot of good kids out there. And um, for us, we, we have a 40 man roster. So we get 10, we recruit 10 kids a year. Um, so, you know, a lot of people want to go to Amherst and you got to find the 10 that fit your, 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 your program. And so I always say that we're not looking for um, the best players. We're looking for the best fit. And, um, but also as I'm looking, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that kid's good. If I don't take him, he's going to go here and kill us. Oh, that kid's good. <laughs> like, if he, and I finally realized like there's like 300 good kids. Like I can't take them all. Um, well, <laughs> um, what I looked for this year was something completely different because all the kids were so good and high level. Um, I looked for emotional intelligence. That was the thing that I looked for. So I looked for if you turned the ball over, did you drop your head? If you, if you scored a goal, did you celebrate? Um, and this is really interesting. Um, quick sidebar. Um, there are two kids who are really good. And I had the videos for both of them, both their highlight videos. And I didn't know, like, like who I wanted because they were both great, right? Yeah. And I told my wife, and my wife, she's from Philly. She's a sports nut, so she watches more PTI than I do in ESPN. <laughs> but I told my wife, I said, watch these two videos and tell me who you pick. And so my wife watched one video, same position, same, right? watched the, the other video, and then she came back and she said, I would take this kid. And I said, why? And she goes, because after goals or if someone scored and it wasn't him, he was running over celebrating. He was picking kids up. And I was like, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, like that kind of stuff, right, where someone else, you know, makes a shot or makes a pass and no one else goes to him or – you know, you're watching a game and the ref calls a bad call and they're just palms upping the ref. Or just we, our level is so high and the and the games are one goal games that we have to really be next play mentality very quickly. Um, or, or you'll get burned, right? Or you're complaining to the ref and, you know, Tuss already has the 10 man on you. Oh boy. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yep. that's tough. No, no. No puns intended, but that's that's really tough. That's really tough. Where you drop the ball, or you throw the ball out of bounds, and your head's down, and right, and, and Bates picks up the ball over your head, and they're gone the, the other direction. So, or you know, you don't clear through, and you mess up on the play, and it's stuck in your head, and it's third quarter, and you're still worried about you not clearing through. So that's kind of what I've been looking for is just the emotional intelligence to the game um, on defense. Um, we're really looking for, which is, which is like old school shutdown defenders. Like the old days of like, Hey, I don't have to slide. I got my matchup coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I just, you, you don't see that much anymore. So, you know, we're really looking for those guys that want to take the challenge and, and be a shutdown defender. And, you know, the guys that want to, um, you know, on top of that, we've looked at heavy off-ball play. Um, you know, like, again, joking around with Dan, I'm like, our goalies are going to be All-Americans. So if we keep them at a certain level, 
And if yeah. you're not all Americans, <laughs> it's your fault. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but if you if you you keep the guys shooting at a at a certain distance, we should eat that up and be gone. And so we really looked at off ball play and understanding off ball play. And I can tell you the biggest thing that I look at for off ball um, and defenders um, is just how athletic they are off ball with sticks in the passing lane. Um, I hate watching games where the guy's standing up and he's just milling around and looking around. Like I just love it when the guys are athletic off ball, sticks in the passing lane, jump into the ball. So that's something that we really, really checked off too when we were looking at our um, on our games this year. Yeah, that's a lot of excellent points. Um, you know, I just think of what you're saying, the uh, the old school lockdown defenders, because, you know, myself and my assistant coach, Ben Waldron, um, down here, we both went to West Genesee, and we talk yep. about, you know, our slide package. Like, we didn't really have a slide package. It was just kind of you didn't get beat. You know, you, you slid adjacent if you needed to, and you showed, but, you know, nothing from the crease. And people are like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, this is kind of how it was. Um, but you know, the first, yeah, the first thing you were saying though, the emotional intelligence, you know, I love how you bring that up and that's something you look for. Cause you're saying, you know, you're saying 40 guys on the roster, that's 10 kids per class. I mean, those 10 kids or 20 or 30, whatever you're looking for, they're all going to have that athletic ability. You know, they're going to have the stick skills. They're going to have kind of what you're looking for. So it's really what's that little extra that's going to make them stand out, and something that like an emotional, extra. yeah, that emotional intelligence is huge. And not to mention, I mean, it can, you know, you, you especially in high school when usually they're the most dominant player in the area, right? If they're looking at Amherst or they're one of them, they probably don't get yeah. tested too much. But when things aren't going their way at the next level, I mean, it can manifest its way, you know, itself in a way that can yeah. really be detrimental to a team. No, I actually, when I could go to tournaments. I actually go early and I watch how they warm up. And if they're not warming up and taking it serious, again, you're having fun with your friends right during the summer. For but sure. I, I, I watch how they warm up. And, okay, he, he, he knows this game is important. He knows he's, this game's serious. Um, and I, what I really love, and I, I have to say I stole this from uh, when we used to when last with Blue Chip 225 and – that tournament used to go for, you know, a couple of days and kids would be tired and hurting by the last day of camp. And he said, I want to see the kid at the last day of camp who's working the hardest. And that's the kid for me. And I was like, oh, I like that. So, you know, I, that, that's kind of the, the two ways I look at it. How's the kid warming up before games? Is he joking around? Is he, and again, you're having fun with your friends because it's a summer tournament. I get that. But, you know, is it, are you, are you taking this serious? Um, are you mentally preparing? And then the last day of the event, when you're hurt, beat, tired, how are you performing? So we, we really look at that stuff. Nice. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Iron Horse Lacrosse, the number one lacrosse program in Texas for travel teams, camps, and clinics. For more information on Iron Horse, visit their website at www.ironhorselax.com. When I was looking over your current roster now, you know, I see you guys, you have guys from California, you know, Florida, Kentucky, and then plus the traditional spots like Philly, Jersey, New York, Massachusetts. As you start to recruit for Amherst, 
you know, where, where do you think you'll pull the bulk of your recruits from? Are you going to try to keep it as diverse as it is now? Or what are you thinking down the line? Yeah, I actually was very happy when I was first interviewing for the job and looking at that because that's just always been the way every program that I've been to that we've recruited. Um, Learned that from Jack Sandler when we were at Colby. Like, we love to get kids from everywhere. So I think in our incoming class, we have um, Texas, um, (laughs) Texas, Philly, D.C., um, I believe California, um, wow. like you said, Oregon, um, we recruit, you know, everywhere. If you're good, we'll find you. And that's what I tell my assistants. It's not our, it's not your job just to go to the easy events, right? Yep. It's not your job just to go up and down 95 and go to the big name events. You got to go to, to California and find somebody, right? You got to find the kid in, in Oregon. You got to, you got to find the kid in New Mexico. Or I remember, I wanted. I think I was at Colby, and there was a kid from Idaho who was just legit, and I wanted that kid badly. <laughs> like there, and like Idaho, what? Like Utah? Like remember when Utah was not the the hotbed that it is, and you had yeah. kids like Bubba Fairman and Ian Kadish and Lane Kadish. Those kids came out of there, and now Utah is the hotbed. Yep, it always was. <laughs> it's just no one wanted to do the extra work to, to go out there and find these kids. So we, we search, we, we dig for, for players. And um, to answer your question, we're going to keep it just as diverse. Um, we're going to keep um, looking for, for kids that want to be at Amherst and, and that want to, to, to be the best they can be um, academically and on the field. Well, I imagine even when, recruiting as far as coaches being on the sideline starts to open up you're still going to take advantage of watching these game films and i'm sure kids are still going to collect them and they're going to send them to you and i can only imagine that makes it that much easier to recruit a kid from california you know or utah or wherever the again the pandemic was horrible right people died people are sick people are hurting economies stressed out but it also made people adapt and the way the recruiting circuit adapted, I, I don't think um, coaches are going to change. I think coaches like the fact that they can get those games. Like you said, hey, I went to this tournament, but there's another tournament that I didn't get to go to. Hey, let me get that game film. Hey, even though I was at this tournament, I want a refresher of what this kid did. Let me watch this game film. And we decided that like that blockout time, um, we're gonna we're gonna block out that time as we go on, and that's gonna be our film and meeting time. So it's not gonna change. Awesome. So you find a player, let's say from one of these areas, that you know you're like, hey, we need him at Amherst, or you know we're gonna do our best to try to get him. I guess what what did that what did that look like this past year, and you know what will that look like in the future as far as that process goes of you communicating with them you know, potentially bringing them to campus and almost, you know, how do you, how do you say sell Amherst? Granted, I think Amherst is pretty well known and it almost sells itself. I'm sure you have to do some, you know, some things as a coach to try to get those guys excited. Cause I'm, I imagine if you're looking at them, a lot of other schools are too. Yeah. That's, that's one thing, right? You, you do have to be on top of your like real recruiting game. 
but we we first vet like really well when we find someone we like right we call coaches we call their guidance counselors we call like you know hey someone who you know lacrosse is pretty connected so someone who knows someone <laughs> yeah. I, I remember one time calling a friend who played on an opposing team of a kid we were recruiting and he was like no that kid is terrific like we've never had any problems like we love him he's great in the league like stuff like that so we we kind of try and vet really well the kids that we're bringing in um and then what we really do is we're looking to give you a great college experience on top of a great lacrosse experience um, I always believe if your college experience sucks, your lacrosse experience is going to suck. So yeah. we look at what you want to do and we craft and, and build around what you want to do. Um, you know, we have kids who want to do, you know, mostly people think lacrosse is econ, right? And finance, but we have kids who want to do art. We have kids who want to do film school. We have kids who, who want to do, uh, you know, be in media or, or something else and, and so we can craft with Amherst being such a great academic school and great liberal arts school, we can craft that to what they want on the academic side, along with being able to play high level across and possibly compete for a championship. So it, it really is all about crafting what the player and what the young man and his family are looking for with what um, we can offer. Were you able to get players on campus this summer and fall? We, or were they allowed to we come, were, I should say? <laughs> yeah. No, so we when I got there, we couldn't. Um, they had shut it down and put Amherst in the bubble. But um, a lot of a lot of guys had been to Amherst before. There's a big tournament that happens up around there every year. So everybody kind of knows it. Um, I think what we're getting into now, um, kind of with the – 22 classes a lot of those guys haven't had a chance to see it so we do a lot of virtual stuff we do a virtual um event where we have our alums talk to the guys our kids talk to the guys and then we show uh we have some really good aerial footage and like footage of the facilities that we show the kids to kind of keep them keep them hyped and and want to get on campus and we're hoping by this summer that they'll be able to um get on campus and and see what the beauty of Amherst really is. Nice. When you are looking back, you know, you've had quite a lot of coaching experience. I've coached at Hampton, Beloit, Colby, Navy Prep, Dallas Jesuit, you know, all these different levels, different programs. When you think about your experiences and now you today at the Amherst program, what are some things that have not changed and almost stayed true throughout your coaching experience and almost like a fundamental part of you as a coach and what you bring to the table? Um, I think the biggest thing that I think the biggest thing is just the kids want to be recognized for their hard work. Um, as you know, how much hard work it goes into lacrosse. Um, and I tell the kids all the time it's hard work being average right so like everybody puts in running everybody puts in lifting but sometimes you're just that average team right so so 
we always want to make sure that no matter what we're doing, we're putting in like the hardest, the hardest stuff that we could do. So part of that is, or, or, you know, part of that is everybody wants to be recognized. You want your all American stuff. You want all of your, your statuses. You want your conference statuses. You want your wins, your losses, right? Everyone wants to be recognized. So that's what I, what I've gotten from all these places, right? So Dallas Jesuit, when I was there, they had just been ranked for the first time. Um, Southwestern wanted to prove that they could play with Northeast teams. Um, Navy, of course, they just wanted to beat Army. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what they're how hard they work for that yeah it's like, which you know, isn't easy voice, they, yeah yeah exactly right so you know like you know everywhere you look it's beat army but all these guys they just wanted all these um they just want they just wanted that recognition so um i think for for everything in all the different programs everybody wants that 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 reward for the hard work that they put in. Yeah. I think that's some excellent points. And, you know, I love that line. You said it's, it's hard being average, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to be an average lacrosse player. It's a lot of work, you know, just to do what like, everyone else is doing. So. Like we put in a, you guys put in a lot of work, you know, what? right. The morning runs, the list, the, the individuals, the, the, the game like everything yeah the film and it's like that's a lot of work not to get something out of it so let's get something out of it yeah let's go a little further <laughs> and just get some out of it but that's also why a lot of coaches say too you know you gotta you gotta love the process of it as well because yeah of course the games are fun everyone's having a blast but i mean what percentage of time is spent during a game as opposed to everything else you do to prepare for it. You know, I think of it at the college level, maybe which goes back 2%, to 3%. Skills. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that goes back to six skills, right? How many people, <laughs> how many people sh- shoot more than they pass in a game? Yeah. <laughs> well, if you, if you do, then you're not shooting. playing. <laughs> <laughs> right. And everybody wants to work on shooting. It's like we pass more than we shoot. I promise you. Yeah. It'll, it'll help us. Exactly. All right, Rashad, last part of the podcast here. Fast five. I'll give you uh, five questions here and uh, just give me your quick initial answer, but uh, feel free to explain. Cool. Number one, what is your favorite sport other than lacrosse? Basketball. Oh, yeah? You play a little bit? I had had a a a little game back in the day. Okay. A little, uh, you know, I'm a Fairport, New York kid. I can play a little ball. <laughs> Number two, what is the hardest age group to coach? So I cannot coach anything. <laughs> coach Christian Randall laughed at this. Um, <laughs> I don't do. <laughs> I don't do uh, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. I can't, I can't do that, man. Yeah. I can't do that. Uh, there, I think there was a tournament at Green Hill I got kicked out of once. I just can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're starting so young now by that age. You know, you get some studs already. So I just like just putting them in line and oh, then they're just all everywhere. And That's like, most of it. I yeah. can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, what is your favorite sports movie of all time? Oh. That's 
a great question. Um, oh, what is it? And I'm going to say this and I'm going to think back and be like, well, why didn't I say the other one? <laughs> um, let's see. Favorite sports movie? That's a great question. I would say, um, oh, man. I'm going to go keep with my my basketball roots uh, and, and go uh, Hoosiers and Jimmy Chipwood. Uh, okay. <laughs> the, the old the old Hoosiers. Nice. I, I, every time that comes on, I watch it. Awesome. Number four, if you weren't coaching lacrosse, what would you be doing from a career standpoint? Uh, making movies and film. I love film. I love videoing. Um, my son, well, both my sons, my oldest son's in film school in Orlando. My uh, youngest is a YouTuber. That's what he says. He's 12. Um, <laughs> so Everyone that I age, I feel love, like it's a YouTuber. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, I love, like, the, I love, like, getting a chance to, to create i'm super creative and i think that's why i love lacrosse it's 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 like a painting it's art um my brother's very creative he's an artist so i look at lacrosse like and i know this sounds weird to some people but i really look at when it's played the right way beautifully like it's art or like it's dance or something like that so i just love the creativeness of it so i would do something creative and so that sounds like something out of Coach Simmons Jr.'s mouth. The creativity in the <laughs> art aspect. Yeah, no, it, it, he, it, it, it's so true, though. It, it, there's sometimes during a game I'm just looking at it and I'm just like so at peace because it's something that I'm looking at that's so beautiful. Like, I know this sounds weird and this is going to get me in trouble with the shot clock era and all that stuff, but I loved watching a good slide and recovery from a defense. Yeah. <laughs> like I think that's beautiful, right? I yeah. love watching good backside approach work, like stuff like that. So I I I love it. Well, that may have answered the last one, but the last question here is: What is your favorite part about being a college lacrosse coach? Oh, my favorite part about it is I I I love it's so it's the medicine game, right? Like I know yeah. that sounds so weird. But it is my medicine. It is if I don't have practice every day, it's like I'm I'm sluggish and slow and grumpy and like I get the biggest high after practice. I get the biggest high watching film or after a game. Like there's just something about it that just brings like so much joy. I mean, you don't have it. It just it's just nothing's right with the world. Like it could be the most worst day ever. And then I walked through those gates and we have practice and it was like, it's the best day ever. And I'm like driving home buzzing, like, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> like, I just, I just love it. I, I, I can't explain it. I, I tell people like, I respect the game so much because I love it. Like, I love it. Like my mom, I love it. Like my wife, like, I love it. Like my kids, I love the game that much that I would never disrespect it. Yeah. That's an excellent answer. I know. I just think of we have some late practices down here, and 
it could be whatever type of day it is, good, bad. And then you like leave practice and here I'm calling my wife. It's like 10 PM and I'm all jacked up going over things. <laughs> She's like in bed, <laughs> but it just, but you like, know, it gives you that energy and it's, it's definitely, you know, yeah, you don't always want to go to practice. It can be a little hard to get there sometimes, but then I'll, you're done with it. You're so happy you did. You know, you had a great practice. You feel great. It's, it really is the medicine game, as you said. Yeah, I think I was talking to uh, Coach Tierney at, at Hofstra um, last year, and he was like, "It's just, it's it's my cup of coffee, right? Like yeah. that's the 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 jolt, and it gets you up. Like all the stuff you have to do as a coach, right? Financial aid meetings, you know, this meeting, that meeting. Like I just want to coach. Here's okay, <laughs> I got my on the time. Field. I get the coach." And it's like just that jolt of coffee that just picks you up. So I, I, I love it. Well, Rashad, appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, you know, good luck with the next couple of weeks here as you trans transition back to team practices and whatnot. And hopefully, you know, you guys will have some sort of season. And obviously, you know, whenever you start back up, best of luck. No, thank you for having me. And I know, uh, you know, Texas is, is my second home, so. I am uh, I'm always on the lookout for some, some players who want to come up to the cold. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Lacrosse Recruiting 101. Catch us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Have a question for Luke? Email them to questions at lacrosserecruiting101.com.